So the one thing about the book of Acts, it kind of doesn't, you know, like a usual story in the beginning and in the end, you know, everybody was happy and they, you know, had children and lived forever and the sun rose and, you know, it's, it's true to what happened. It ends with Paul in Rome and it ends abruptly. And the reason why, you know, they, if you look carefully in the original Greek, I don't even think Luke knew about this, but we do. Luke wrote it. There's a comma. And it kind of then is up to each and every one of us to pick up the same heart, the same methods, and say, Lord, we want to write chapters 29 until you come back. And I wonder what chapter we are. Because this wasn't a good book to read. This was a good book to, to be inspired by to fulfill the purposes of God. This is the continuation of Jesus' ministry. He began, and we see Acts continuing until he comes back again. And we part of that. Every single one of us has a part to play in prayer, in going, in challenging the status quo, in like Paul in Ephesus. Got to be the best example of how do we take on a big city? How do we take on culture that is contrary to Christianity? How do we take on culture that is actually abusive and over the top? It's, it's just serves pleasure in every way. It's corrupt and there's violence everywhere. How do we do it? No advertising campaign, no leaflets. There were no bright lights or neon lights or big auditoriums. Paul just got up and he preached the word of God. You want to know how we're going to impact Joburg? As exactly as they did it in the book of Acts as we preach the word of God at all costs. And you know, it's interesting. It ends with Paul. We'll read it now, the chapter. Uh, he's in um, Rome. And he's, it says, for the next two years at his own expense, he kept ministering. He preached. He kept on doing that. Uh, that was Paul. But what it doesn't tell you is just a couple of months later, because of political reasons, Paul is eventually uh, killed spear run through him or sword run through him and that's it so what is the kind of future we're looking forward to what are the prospects of us who are called to serve him no matter what the cost we're going to preach this gospel in our prayer this this morning as elders we prayed incredibly brave prayers where's jj he was the bravest prayer i heard he said lord in spite of people saying no in spite of people criticizing, we want to preach the gospel. And I thought, that's what often puts us off. We're scared of being rejected. We're scared of seeming as though we're religious fanatics. But the world without Christ is going to burn for an eternity. And that's what motivates us. Paul and his crowd were motivated to the extent of willingly paying the price of dying for this gospel. And Father, I do not when I kind of count my life as anything for the sake of the gospel. Actually, JJ, come and share your story. I think it would be quite appropriate. Nice legs. <laughs> it's not about my legs. Um, so yesterday was my daughter's birthday, and wonderfully my wife, Dot, asked me to go get the balloons, heliums filled with, um, the balloons filled with heliums and go get some rolls for the hot dog rolls. Um, and when I went into checkers, there was a lady <clears throat> standing there. She had a big cut in her neck, and she had stitches in. And I asked her what happened. 
And she said to me, no, uh, her boyfriend stabbed her. Um, so very fearful because he's in jail. She so doesn't know when he's going to come out. And I asked her, can I pray for you? And she said, well, I don't know if you can because I need to ask my manager. She so asked the manager and the manager said, it's fine. And she wanted to go to the back for me to pray. I said, no, let's pray right here in front of everybody. So we prayed over that. And after I prayed, there were so many people standing there. And the whole staff asked, can I also pray for them? Uh, and then also within the people standing there, there was a guy that does the specialist of quality control. And he's a pastor that is uh, he's now launching his church in Alberton in Jan, and he said he wants to partner with people like that. And it's just incredible for me that, that the gospel creates new opportunities every single day for us. I, w- I shared this morning that Jesus said that you will do what I did and even greater things, and we all think as miracles. But it's not just miracles. Jesus Christ was consistent, and he walked in love, and that's what he wants to do. Notice someone that is going through something and offer to pray for them, offer to love them, and you'll see there's a hunger for people. And this is how Paul also lived through it. Awesome. Yeah. Every opportunity. So let's pick it up, verse 1. It will come up on the uh, screen. But I think better still, if you've got a Bible, read it in your Bible. After we were brought safely through... We then learned that the island was called Malta. Remember, this is now just after the shipwreck. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled the fire and welcomed us all. Because it had begun to rain and was cold, when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, yes, the apostle, who's pioneered the gospel in the world, and he is collecting sticks. Doesn't that kind of say something to you. Christianity is not about hierarchy and eras. The only era we have is Jesus. But we all get the opportunity of serving. And I love Paul's heart. A viper, yeah, for serving, this is how he gets paid. A viper came out because of the heat and fastened onto his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man was a murderer. Though he was escaped from the sea, justice And that's actually the name of the Greek goddess of justice. And so, in other words, he never died on the ship, in the shipwreck, and now this viper's hung on him. In other words, he's not going to get away from justice. Justice is going to get him in the end. And it says, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature (laughs) into the fire and suffered no harm. It's the only account we know of fulfilling Mark chapter 16 that go and preach the gospel, and God anoints us with power to heal. He anoints us with power to drink poison. I don't want to suggest that. He anoints us with power that we can even handle snakes. Snakes won't kind of kill us. I think for the sake of the gospel, what Mark was saying under the inspiration of the Spirit, and that's happening over here, we are under God's protection, and we can trust Him, right? There's a whole bunch of of people in some weird place in America that have church meetings with rattlers. And they prove the scripture when they handle them and dance and worship the Lord. A few of them have died, by the way. Anyway, not the snakes, the people. They were, they were waiting for him to swell up, but suddenly, uh, or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and they saw uh, no misfortune come to him. They charged their minds. They changed their minds, and they said that he was a god. 
people are fickle. Remember at Lystra, the same thing, when he healed a man um, who had some kind of problem with his back or whatever it was, and then they wanted to kind of put garlands on them and sacrifice an ox, and Paul said, no, I'm just a normal human being. This is God. You've got to honor God. And then they kind of persecuted him, put him in jail, you know, stoned him, whatever. And same over here, straight away, the crowd changed. Now, in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, and Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. What was the difference of J.J. and Paul? Nothing whatsoever. Use the opportunity at hand for the sake of the gospel. Isn't that awesome? I just love it. And when, he had take, when this year had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases came and were cured. Exactly what happened. More people said, pray for us. And they also honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put uh, on board whatever we needed. Interesting, in Malta today, there's a plant that works with NCMR, church plant, on the island of Malta. We're back there, and they have about 150 people or so. If any of you want to visit, if you have relatives there, get hold of the guy who leads the church, a South African, gone there, pioneered something, and now we see a group. Uh, I just love the fact of through the set of circumstances they find themselves there, but Paul's default, like when you throw a cat in the air, lands on its claws, he's going to preach the gospel. Paul's default is not, thank goodness we saved. How are we going to get a boat? And, you know, like in desperation, you know, let's just try and make it through the next kind of thing. Now, for three months, until winter had passed, they ministered over there. And, and I thank God, right at the end of this guy's ministry, he's still enthusiastic about this gospel. Let's not lose sight of the big picture. While I have breath, and while there are people that need to be saved and healed and the rest, I'm going to be part of this whole solution. If you want to know what your ministry is, it's exactly that. So we pick it up in verse 11. And after three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria, and with the twin gods as figurehead, putting in at Syracuse. We stayed there for three days, and from there we made a circuit and arrived in Regium. And after one day... A south wind sprang up, and on the second day we came to Putoli. There we found brothers, and we invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome, and the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God, and he took courage. That's what relationships in the body of Christ do. Isn't that awesome? You know, right there in the middle of nowhere. And I, with the Dell, we've traveled to places. You get there, and then you realize there's Christians or a partnering church. Christians and our relationships should give us courage. And, and you know what? There's this call. There's this expectation that God has for us to reach out. But he's, he's kind of called us together. Let's not minimize the relationships. And, and I love the fact that we could get up two families over here and they're like brothers and sisters in Christ doing what we're doing here in their cities. We get to share and testify and, and, and kind of rejoice together. Please never, ever feel alone. 
And that's one of the lies of the devil, is he will isolate us, separate us from the flock, and then try and take us out. I tell you, the thing we need to do when we gain through any kind of difficulty, and good times as well, is reach out to those around us. You know, the, the kind of thing of Christianity is we meet congregationally where we celebrate, we hear prophetically, we're challenged with the word, we hear testimony, and then we meet in homes where we develop relationships. And through those relationships, we get to work out the call of God. And, and when you hear that other people are going through what you're going through, it gives you courage. You know, surely if any can make it, I can make it. You know, if that guy can do it, I can do it. And, and so we encourage each other along the way. And God has ordained it like that. I not only want to receive it, but I want to give it as well. And so the kind of status quo today is you're on your own. It's all up to you. It's not true. In Christianity, the greatest thing that we have as we serve our God is this connection with each other. And the wonderful privilege of loving and reaching out and blessing others and kind of in turn receiving that as well. And I have no clue which verse we're reading. Anyone want to help me? 17, thank you. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when he gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against your people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, uh, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the, for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak to you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. And they said to him, we have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are. For with regard to the sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him where he was lodging in great numbers from morning till evening. Isn't that interesting? Whole day, whole night. He expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he had said, but others disbelieved and disagreed among themselves. They departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was writing, saying to your forefathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they have clothed. Their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. They will listen. And some manuscripts put this. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed, having much dispute amongst themselves. So the Jews persecuted him. From town to town, they would hound him. They would spread stories about him. They would speak to the kind of local authorities to, to prosecute him. And eventually it all culminated in Paul having to appeal to Caesar because he knew he had to get to Rome. But the Jews were his public enemy number one. And when he gets to Rome, 
I would have ignored the Jews. But what does Paul do? He calls for the Jews. And they want to hear this gospel. I love Paul's art. His last almost breath is he wants to reach out to his people. Have you got that kind of compassion in your heart? For the people that are yours, your family, your friends, your nation, your nationality. You know, have you got that kind of love? Paul constantly was wanting to reach them with the gospel. Surely you should understand, and he would argue the scriptures. And there was always a little response, not a big one. It's, like, it's not like there were overwhelming numbers that came to know Jesus Christ. But yet, he persisted in reaching out to them, even though they were the ones that caused him most of his heartache. And when you read through his list, hung on a plank for three days, the list of his suffering. You know, receive beatings by the Romans, receive beatings by the Jews. I think three or four times they beat him. They, they hurt him. They, they ruined whatever he was about in his ministry. But he kept on reaching out to them. And here he has this opportunity again of talking to them about the gospel and some believe. So can you see the pattern? I just love the pattern. Brothers come and encourage him. They minister to each other. He gets this bunch of Jewish leaders together, minister to them, and listen to how this whole account ends of the book of Acts. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with boldness and without hindrance. So God gave him a wonderful period of grace so that for two years he could teach and preach. And no doubt there must have been miracles that took place of people being born again or healed. I want to ask, is that a reflection of our lives? Is that a reflection of our church? Is that a reflection of our life groups? Is that a reflection of every aspect of our church, including children? Is that we're going to use every opportunity to welcome people in and to share the gospel with them? Is your home open that way? Have you ever thought that we need to welcome in our neighborhood and look for an opportunity to share the gospel with them? Because that's what it is. I want to welcome people into my life and share my testimony. I want to tell them why I have hope. Where my hope isn't in a ballot paper that we're going to have next year. My hope, like we said last week when we prayed for the country, please don't stop. Our hope is in the gospel. That's the solution for this country. And the job that we have, proclaim, that means announce, be loud-mouthed, and then teach. We can have the opportunity to teach people. So in conclusion, to the book of Acts, the challenge. Much has been prophesied over this local church. Adele recently had a dream. We're going to share it with the elders this afternoon. We have an elders planning time. And in it, she just saw things on fire. And she really kind of said that she felt it was the fire of the Holy Spirit. That there's a kind of time that we're going to see greater influence, greater impact. We can't do this in our own strength. We need an outpouring of God's Spirit. And we need to be trusting for it, crying out for that. You know, put aside the politics. Put aside our preferences and our ideas and the rest. What does God want? What is His will for this country? What is His will for Joburg? And that is to see people impacted with the gospel. And I want us to step into the prophecies that He has prophesied over us. That there be queues of cars. 
that we'd be an impact in the city, that through the outpouring of the Spirit, we'd see those large numbers come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The stadiums would be full. Is that a pipe dream? No, we hold on to it. Let's settle in our hearts that God wants to use every single one of us. Take your right hand and your index finger and just push it into the person's shoulder next to you. That's right. And tell them, you preach to them. God is speaking to you. Then take that same finger, put it on your heart, and say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Yeah, preach to the others, but send me. And then... Are we willing to experience whatever it's going to take, whatever hardship, whatever inconvenience, whatever challenge for the sake of the gospel? Some of you sitting over here or maybe a little overwhelmed at the price you may have to pay to relocate to another country to preach the gospel and plant a church. But I want to encourage you, follow through with the call of God on your life. And then, kind of lastly, let's like Paul, and I think even the attitude of the islanders on Malta, generous, loving, let that be our default. You know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm either going to be a resource of God's grace and courage to others, or, you know, I'm going to be the guy people avoid. I don't want to be that. I want to look for the opportunities to serve and to love and, and, you know, to make a difference. I feel that with that starting point, you know, comes the doors that would be bigger opportunities for the gospel.